Hello and welcome to episode 296 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, Alex Jones and Jack Harper. The Premier League is back and I dare say that means the heat will return to this podcast. We likely won't be discussing Sven-Goran Eriksson anytime soon, but we do have plenty to get into nonetheless. Some of our teams perform better than others, um, maybe not the ones you'd expect actually, and we will get into all of that and more right now but first of all let's get into some news of the week if someone wants to do a jingle there i mean i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and it's i'll just embarrass myself i'm sure we're going to speak about chelsea in about an hour so yes (laughs) uh not much news of the week this week but in line with your dinner jack a scientist has admitted the space telescope image that he had been sharing publicly was actually a slice of chorizo. I did see that. Great stuff. I know it's uh, chorizo, but I uh, would feel like one of the commentators that makes a point to say Santi Cazorla in that way. So, Or I don't know if you've seen that guy on TikTok. That is, I think, Portuguese, but really gives the accents on everyone's name. Yeah, the, Br- the Bruno Fernandes one is one that always gets me. Do you know the guy I mean? The guy who says we're going to go bold. Yeah, I think so. I feel like you'd if if you knew him, you'd know. Um, he says noon mensch for Nuno Mendes. <laughs> uh, man suffers one hundred erections per day, and his girlfriend says there is no rest. <laughs> I can go one or two ways. If you're blessed with good, well, looks. it's only going one way, so it seems to be the issue. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're blessed with good looks, then that's a great asset. A hundred times a day. If if not, you're just a horny, ugly bloke. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure there's any way you can be that good looking and you're getting a chub 100 times a day. <laughs> because the little, the uh, Inopportune bio- moments. If you're walking past a school or something and that's just... The byline of the article said, we can't even go shopping. <laughs> Doing quick maths there, that's just less than four an hour. So that's a that's a lot going on there. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> imagine the imagine, fear uh, when you'd randomly get one at school and you just knew it was going to be that time you'd be asked to, like, come to the front. <laughs> <laughs> now imagine it's just, like, every single time you're going to the doctors, you're going shopping, you're going for a coffee, you're doing this and that. Except now you're old enough to be put on a register. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going through an airport and you get stopped by security. (laughs) This why we haven't done a pod in person with Alex in a while. Can't be trusted. Uh, (laughs) Fortune teller called Mystic Veg predicts who the next prime minister will be. I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. No, she says it'll be Ben Wallace. Oh, okay. Mystic Veg, did you say? Yes, Mystic Veg. That seems incredible. That feels like a pre-World Cup thing where, you know, you'd have like a uh, the octopus that made the predictions. We we go to Veg, who's making some predictions. She claims she predicted Brexit, which, again, was 50-50. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. She woke uh, up that morning relieved. So 51, or, okay, wins a win. Uh, Mayor marries alligator wearing white wedding dress in historic ritual. 
Man's private started whistling when his lung collapsed and the air escaped through an open wound. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like a teapot. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors baffled after finding 233 coins, batteries, and screws in a man's stomach. I thought you were saying anus for sure. I mean, well, I, was, that... I was just about to make a really, really bad joke then. He didn't. But... No, no, no. <laughs> no, he's not having it. Well, no, well, I think I preempted what he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> So that's our news of the week. We ended up quite a sour tone there, actually. Um, I'm not going to cut that either because I feel like people should know what a vile bloke you are when they hear that. <laughs> I will say for the record, if anyone can hear my fan, I've asked three of them now to confirm if they can hear it. I've been given positive reviews and so I've chosen to move forward. Although it probably annoy me more than any listener. Do you uh, regularly get feedback that people can hear your fan? Is that is that what it is? People well, it's not usually on. Right. This is me taking quite a big step. The only other time I've had my fan on for a podcast was when it was 33 degrees the other Monday, and I tried starting without one until I was literally, like, dripping while trying to record. <laughs> but anyway... We will start with the season opener, and that was Crystal Palace versus Arsenal. Arsenal travelled away to probably the ground they've had the worst luck in, as outside of the Etihad, or Anfield maybe, um, and emerged with a 2-0 win. We had debuts for Gabriel Jesus, Alexander Zinchenko, and William Saliba. Let's get into it. Let's start with those debuts first. Gabriel Jesus had about as good of an opening to life at Arsenal as you can have without scoring. RIP everyone's FPL team. (laughs) I did say that was going to happen and I didn't like it that everyone was picking him, but look, that's a secondary issue. Is he just not scoring all season then? Is that the... no, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be scoring this season. I think that performance summed up how his season's going to go. Wow. Let's Great winger. Let's, let's move Great on. Great winger. Not a goal scorer. Sorry. All right. Jack, you watched him. I, we'll speak about Chelsea's striker situation later, but perhaps surprised there wasn't more interest when you do see... Well, I guess how good he can be. I think it's the same with both him and Zinchenko, where you take a, like what you would call fringe players out of Man City team, you realise how good they actually are because the runs he was putting in, the link-up play that he was kind of creating for you, the chances that he was making, it was everything that you didn't have with Lacazette. Yeah, so you, it looked like two Man City players in an Arsenal team. Yeah, it did. And it's not, the funniest one is Zinchenko because you don't... You didn't really think of him as a main player at City. You thought, well, why is he there? And then he comes out of that team and you realise exactly why he was. Yeah, he, he showed exactly the role we're looking for with that inverted fullback system that Liverpool play and Man City play as well. He gets the assist for the opener. Um, I thought we actually saw the difference that you can get with Zinchenko and Tierney and why they're two good options to have in that Tierney comes on for the last 
10, 15 minutes and he was incredibly direct. He's probably a better 1v1 defender than Zinchenko is. But Zinchenko was better in build-up. He was better in control that we had. I'm not going to say the first 25 minutes at Sellers Park was quite the uh, 45 minutes at Anfield or against Man City. But you could see in that 25 minutes what it is that we're trying to do. And it's just a case of now being able to extend that for a further 65 minutes. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, sure. What Worrying signs for everyone else, but great signs for if you're a good. So we'll have a little oh. shuffle around there. Did wonder. Um, yeah, hey, hey Zeus. You obviously can't read into pre-season too much. Maybe I got a bit ahead of myself last week. Not, not <laughs> really like me, but... You could see the importance in actually having a solid preseason. They made a real thing about Crystal Palace's preseason and how they were split into two different squads throughout. And for a rare change for the opening day, I knew exactly who the starting eleven was going to be. That translated onto the pitch, and there did look to be a fluidity about the team that you wouldn't usually expect with three new signings coming in. <clears throat> Sky know exactly what they're doing when they put Arsenal's first game of the season on a Friday. They did that with Brentford as well, didn't they, last year? Yeah, yeah. Right, it's going one or two ways, and we're going to put all our eggs in the basket of this is going to be great TV and everyone's going to tune in. Um, yep, we didn't but... have Neville and Carragher dancing in the uh, terraces this time around. <laughs> yeah. Scumbags. And, uh, and luckily for Sky, but luckily for you, it turned out, like you said, that evidence of a really solid pre-season of looking good, which you did when you played us big time. Um, again, translating, it feels like you've got a good platform to build off here. Um, it, it should have been so much easier as well. Like If Martinelli scores that chance early oh, on, and horror, horror he, he's had a few of those where he clearly is talented, but it's like he doesn't get his head up and he, he spends too long not sorting his feet out. And he had the similar one at Man City where the referee does run across his path, but still you've got to be burying it. And you compare that and it, it's a big difference, but to Haaland yesterday, and it's just so easy in the way that the way he approaches the ball, shifts his feet and is able to bend it in the corner. There's no need for Martinelli to be going with his left foot there when he can use his right and just go across the keeper and into an empty net. So it's something for him to work on, clearly. But outside of that, I actually thought his link-up play was better than I'd seen it previously. The way he was cutting inside, he was playing some crossfield balls. And the freedom he gets with Zinchenko in behind him, I thought Arteta's got a plan for me here. And I, I quite liked seeing it uh, come in together. I thought him and Jesus linked up quite naturally as well, which is yeah. a good sign. Jesus should have been raging with him for that miss because he's just done some unbelievable work to get him there right at the start of the game and he's done that because he probably could have played it into Martinelli initially but I'm never going to tell someone they should pass when you've just done that it, it's no, it's no. almost law that you have to shoot in that situation but yeah it would be look far better on the highlight reel rather than it just being a little TikTok that gets slowed down and <laughs> you cut out Martinelli's miss at the end of it as I see a lot of uh, content creators do Saliba then was the other debutant, we've had to wait three years for his debut. Barely put a foot wrong. If I said that Gabriel facing Antonio was kind of a litmus test for seeing how good he'd be as a Premier League defender, away at Selhurst Park is a pretty good one for just seeing how you're going to handle that step up to England. And on the night, he probably emerges looking the better of the two centre-backs. 
Everyone was waxing lyrical about him, weren't they? Yeah, there's a whole thing with him. And look, some people have gone very far with the Van Dyke uh, comparisons. But in the same way, and I'm aware we're one game into his Premier League (laughs) career. He, we won't get carried away with preseason, but we well, won't get carried away with the first game. I'm not even talking about ability. Just looking at the guy, he exudes that kind of energy that I would want from my centre-back. He's a big, imposing guy. He looks calm on the ball. And everything was right. The way he pressured the ball was perfect. The way he went in hard when he had to. Once hard showed him who was boss, and we'll talk about him in a second. Everything about it, I couldn't have asked for a better debut from him. And I'm sure there's going to be mistakes. He's 21. You look at how many 21-year-old centre-backs there are in the Premier League, particularly in the top six. But he at least looks a very promising talent. Also, whisper it quietly, but defenders make mistakes. And have done throughout the whole of time. Despite the fact that everyone of you believe that basically defenders have only started making mistakes since about, I don't know, 2008 onwards. (laughs) Defenders have always made mistakes. Vidic only made them against Torres. No, but actually, you obviously haven't seen the online discourse because actually yeah. he owned Torres and that thing's uh, inside myth. So. It, it's it's one thing to make a mistake, but making a mistake on your debut is a big thing. In England, as a defender, you get written off very, very quickly and it's hard to come back just because the label that's placed on you. And Especially when you've been waiting three years for your debut. <laughs> yeah, and I thought a lot was made of the... look. Should we not have had him in there last season? I think when you look at last season, and not to go over the whole thing again, I don't think Saliba was the difference between us making top four and us not making top four. The difference, ultimately, we didn't score enough goals. Yeah, unless he's a really good striker as well. Yeah. He's not... Um, it, if if he can carry on this vein of form, you'd say they've played the loan system to perfection. You say just need to get just, him to sign a new deal now. Just enough times where he's sort of had his education... And it hasn't been to your detriment, and now he can sort of grow in your team. So, yeah, that'd be and, that'd be about right if he didn't uh, yeah. not signing a deal. And I, and I know everyone likes to downplay the leagues and all of this, but I've got to think in terms of adjusting to different atmospheres, playing in front of that Marseille crowd every week, that's mm. got to be some level of pressure. So that's probably helped a lot in terms of coming in. That Selhurst probably doesn't seem so scary when you've been playing in front of that, where they will literally come onto the pitch to show you if they're not happy with you. <laughs> it's a and, big club there as well, so he's, he's had expectations on him. It's not like he wouldn't have had focus. Yeah, I mean, we don't obviously see it as much, but when I was reading, people were saying that, maybe not in terms of the size, but they feel like the United of the French yeah. League in terms of the support. They absolutely are. Yeah, they're the biggest club in France. So, And, I mean... It's clearly we've got a good relationship with Marseille. We've just sent uh, Tavares there now to go and improve away from uh, the Premier League spotlight and started well yesterday and hopefully uh, Saliba can continue. Um, I thought there was a... fans. They're going to be like, oh, this Saliba fellow is good. Yeah. <laughs> so the next one's like, oh, Jesus, what is this? Well, they Gwen- they've got Gwendouzi as well, haven't they? So they clearly quite like... The, the last three that they've had from us. We, we won't talk about Kalasan actually came on a free in between. But uh, the fact they've had to replace him with Tavares already is probably not a good sign. There was a big thing among just fans online and Arsenal fans where it was like Saliba or White. And the fact that White is able to adjust and play it right back, it doesn't need to be one or the other. If Arsenal are going to win, 
I don't care who's at centre-back. And look, it's an interesting one if you have three centre-backs. So I used to have to hear about Socrates, Mustafi and Pablo Mari. So Gabriel, White and Saliba is not a bad uh, adjustment to make. Um, now, Jack, you watch the game and I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with this. The discourse online seemed to be very split as to how good of a game Ben White had on Friday. And before I go into it, I'd just like to get your take as to how he did up against Zaha. Um, I mean, better players have become unstuck in Zaha than this. So he's not the easiest player to defend against. But when you're playing out of position as a right back, I think he did as well as anyone would have expected him to. I don't think he did drastically wrong and he kept clean sheet so I think that kind of speaks volumes in itself. You having a little shuffle around there? Yeah, I'm just You're conscious. You're all of us, blimey. Um, I'm conscious that I want to be speaking into the microphone for obvious reasons. Yeah, alright, yes. Yeah. You're getting some uh, rustly business. To, yeah, I'll try and adjust it. I, I thought, and I sent TK a few compilations today just to uh, run up on this a bit more. I think the best thing White did against Zahar, I thought he had a great game and I, I was admittedly worried about it beforehand. He he marked him so aggressively and tried to win the ball off him immediately after he picked it up because you let Zahar spin and then he's coming at you and it's just game over. In terms of just isolating you, there's few better wingers in the league in what he will do to you. And we laughed last season when they beat us, what, 3-0? Where he saw Tavares at fullback and he actually switched sides just to feast on him. And the fact I can highlight maybe two times that he did get the better of White, that's not a bad day's work when Zahar, the game plan was quite literally get it to Zahar and that's how we're going to get in. So White made eight tackles, which is the most tackles an Arsenal player has made in a Premier League match in over three years since Lucas Torreira made nine against Chelsea in January 2019. I think if you're really struggling to work this one out, White does, uh, Zahar doesn't get on the score sheet. Had some nice step overs, admittedly, but when he starts punching the floor... you got him. You, you know it. You know you've got him. Because you, you just can't entertain it. I thought White did a good job when he was on a yellow card as well. What was the... It was, um, it was Tanganga, wasn't it? Just before Conte came in last season I'm going to say I think it was under Nuno still when he got a Tanganga and as soon as he got booked he just went at him and at him and at him and he got him sent off and that was Edward's first game one of the few goals he scored so if you're having a rough day he's going to make it so much worse for you and I've, I thought White showed that he can do a good job at right back for us if it means uh, getting Saliba in the team as well and Tommy Asu's injury record suggests uh, it's probably a good idea to have a solid right-back cover. It'd be interesting to see if you do utilise that as an option or whether this was just Ben White filling in. Um, as you said, I was looking at that Arsenal team thinking that's a really strong team, but that would be the question mark was Ben White having to go to right-back and cover Zahar. You thought if they can get you anywhere, that would be it. As so I took the highlights I saw from very briefly watching the compilations. You said, I couldn't quite believe there was a compilation put together. Um, yeah, he well, did, he It was did. hard to find an objective one that isn't 
Ben White bodies Zahar. So that's why I did try to find yeah, several yeah. rather than just sending one that was would just but the, cut. Um, but the lack of success Zahar has kind of tells you more, more than anything. Um, but then on, on the flip side, Zahar kind of days like that. He's a weird one where you say about that might you've got to be aggressive with him. You do, but then on the flip side, Sinem defenders try that tactic too early and he does just get in behind him every time it kind of makes him look silly yeah. or, or he's a little bit more up for the fight actually sometimes sometimes he's more up for it than others um i would have thought he would have been open there the season against arsenal he, he was would have been. trying it I, I, to be fair a lot of their best play was going through Eze, and at the same time he wasn't offering anything defensively so they are also in, a, in an odd spot where a lot of their success under Vieira has come by a not just going Wilf do do something magic. So if the game plan does revert to right, get it down his side and just get everything through him, I think you're kind of going away from what kind of has brought you some success under Vieira. I was watching some of the highlights thinking either Reze is trying to go hero or they're just trying to feed Zahar. They've got to try and get a little bit more variety. I thought you saw the difference in that two of the players we've brought in both have Premier League experience, which was clearly something that we were going for by the fact they've played at Selhurst Park before. They know how difficult it can mm. be there, particularly on an evening game. But Selhurst Park under the lights, Christ, the, the amount of times we've walked away from a point there, I actually can't think of another one immediately <laughs> off the top of my head. So that going in there provided some stability. We've got them on a Monday night coming up, so that's fun. That's yeah. fun, fun <laughs> memories. Um, one of the issues in, look, you get the three points, it's, it's not too much of an issue, was in the second half, Arsenal did revert further and further and further back. So in the end, they're almost playing like a low block against Palace. I think Palace finished the game with more possession. Um, I guess I'll judge it harsher if that continues to happen at other away grounds. But I think it did highlight the need for just a midfielder that can offer some level of control. I won't do the whole Shaka thing again because I thought he actually had quite a good game. But someone that can actually break the lines and get us further up the field when we're under the cosh is just so needed. Erdegaard, I thought, had a really poor game. Um, when you're looking for someone to get on the ball and slow things down, he wasn't offering that at all. And I was ready to throw things at the TV, out the window. God knows. I don't know why the guy won't shoot. We had to, we had it with Kleb, and then we had it with Ertzil, and now we've got it with Odegaard. I understand <laughs> it when there's someone in a better position. When you're two yards out and you're trying to no-look pass across the goal, you can't be that one-footed. No. So frustrating. but That's sort of like a... Uh quarterback that won't go for the throw because he doesn't want to ruin his stats isn't it yeah it's like i don't horrible i don't want to be unleashing shots unless i know i'm going to score yeah and then the last thing i had was ramsdale i thought had a good game he had the moment in which he got caught when he was trying to play it out from the back but that was scary liverpool play like it city play like it if you are expecting your keeper to play out from the back you kind of just have to accept those hairy moments don't you there's obviously a time and a place, but if the manager is saying, this is what I want you to do, at some point, you are going to make some mistakes. I thought that one was a very weird one. Though. Some of the mistakes, if you can understand, it seemed like there wasn't quite as much pressure on him. And he did. On the flip side to that, that I've, I've seen a lot of people um, retweeting that one pass he does, which is absolutely peeing out to the left which yeah. was a sexy class. So swings and roundabouts, I guess. 
He does the one to Ben White that's like a little chip, and he does the one out of his hands that's just a cross-field ball straight to Martinelli. That him and Martinelli have a real great link-up there. Um, and they, they do that really well. I'm getting echo from someone. I think it's from AJ. I did wonder about that. I just started hearing Luke twice. I thought, we don't need that. <laughs> I tell people they're rusty. These two weeks been hard work. You get an echo, you get an echo, echo yes. from me. That's a new one. Did you purposely say that twice? Yeah, I wondered that as well. Um, yeah, with Ramsdale, there's a, there's been a tendency before when one of these passes happen that goes wrong and the whole defence suddenly just looks like they're as shook as, as you can be and you feel that. And I thought he did quite a good job in not letting that impact his performance. He makes a good save from Edward at the end of the first half that he should be burying. Um but he made he made quite a few very good saves as the game went on. So hopefully his form dipped towards the end of last season. I know he was injured following the Liverpool game. I've no doubt the guy's going to make mistakes. I think you're never going to eradicate that completely from him. But if we can get more performances like this, then I think we'll all be very happy. So there we go. Arsenal were top of the league for a very brief time. <laughs> Got to appreciate it whilst it happens, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Let's, live, in, live in the moment. Let's talk. You start about, every year top of the league. Everyone's, you know, forgetting yeah, that. Yeah. Every year. No, don't, don't overlook it. We didn't with uh, when Bournemouth were in the league when they would do that, AFC. That felt like a cheat. That yeah. felt like a real cheat, that. I don't think they did it this year. Now, 12.30 kickoff, the first one of the season, we had Liverpool travelling away to Fulham. I was complaining on Friday night that they've wasted a TV slot on uh, Liverpool and Fulham. Congratulations, you did the job. <laughs> well Jürgen Klopp, Klopp said he was 12 out of 10 frustrated after the 2-2 draw. Uh, last season's runners-up needed a debut goal from Darwin Nunes and Salah's 80th-minute strike to come from behind twice and cancel out Mitrovic's brace. He said after the game, it's my responsibility to find out why we played last Saturday a surprisingly good game for the moment we were in pre-season and seven days later we look like we're completely upside down. That doesn't make sense. I speak to you now, but I'm actually only thinking about that. Now, before we get into the finer details, TK, it does feel ridiculous that on the opening day we're talking about a game that could potentially be huge in the title race. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the nature of these title races, though, isn't it? Especially then when, when we watch City the following day. It, it was very weird to watch because we have seen Liverpool start slowly before. But usually, once the opposing team has that kind of big chance early on, nine times out of ten, they're not taking it. And it's almost like a flitch switches, a flicks a switch flicks, a switch flicks <laughs> <laughs> and then you're on it and your money from there onwards this time look Fulham weren't unlucky Fulham weren't lucky to be going in 1-0 ahead no no I think I, I think I've just about uh, translated what you said there I think I'm with you um, <laughs> trying to reply yeah. to Sean at the same time oh god disgraceful um, yeah to be honest they were really good value they were all over us. That that intensity they played with was uh, Liverpool just weren't at it at all by comparison. They looked like a team that turned up expecting to be a promoted team. And I've said it before, you don't really want to go to promoted teams on the first week of the season. That's normally when they're at the best. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly that with Brentford last year. Was they've got that buzz, they're up for it. If you could play them six or seven weeks down the line, where they've had a hiding off someone and they started to get a bit depressed, you much prefer that. I didn't. I would admit, didn't think Craven Cottage was going to be some sort of fortress. No, so they made gonna... it. They made it great, didn't they? Yeah, and yeah, just the way they played. There was a zip to their passing. Every time we were on the ball, there was, like I said, an incredible intensity to it. To be honest, and I know it's a completely different team and now a different manager, but it's reminiscent of the last time we played Fulham in the league under Scott Parker, where they absolutely battered. I think we nicked a draw there as well. Now, admittedly, this was in a year when we were pretty disastrous as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a similar sort of feeling where I was sort of like, we're playing badly here, but there is also a certain amount to which you go, they're kind of not really letting us do an awful lot here. They're just kind of playing out of their skin. Yeah, I mean, we said after the others actually left us last week that looking at their business this time around, it looked like they had been very specific and they'd picked out players and they knew what they wanted to get and they knew exactly the job they were getting them in for. And you think they've still got Bern Leno to come into that team. Uh, Palinia in the midfield, Andreas Pereira, great. I thought, had a good game. And Mbabu on the uh, right-hand side. Everything about it, they just looked like I'm not going to say they quite had as good of a preseason as us, but it was close. <laughs> yeah, they were flying. Yeah, Palin looked great in the middle. Um, be interesting to see if he can keep that up. Because, I mean, on that basis, you'd say he's better than Fulham. But I, I think it'll probably level itself back out a little bit. And similar with Pereira. You think some of his delivery was unbelievable. You think? Well, that was what he was known for, wasn't it? Yeah, but obviously there was a kind of I say it's one game, but there was a consistency to it where you kind of thought if he was able to do that constantly, again, he wouldn't have ended up at Fulham, would he? So, um, <laughs> he was in Brazil the, last year. And the, um, the ladder right back obviously gets a card fairly early against Diaz, but still is able to deal with him. You said about Ben White. I mean, he, Diaz was a threat throughout, but really kind of, it kind of went the opposite way to what you'd expect. He kind of got less threatening as the game went on, it felt like. Um, even though the guy had been on the card and you thought that's the last thing you want against yeah. Diaz. Now, a player we are going to have to speak about, I think uh, I know Jack feels a similar way because I saw him uh, retweet something, a thread earlier, in fact, of a certain player's every mistake, I think, of the last five years. There's no doubting that Trent is one of the best fullbacks in the world with the ball at his feet. But these doubts about his defensive ability are going to persist after he keeps seemingly being caught out in similar ways. I'm not saying he's going to dominate Mitrovic in the air, but the lack of awareness and the, the lack of jump or just about everything involved in this piece of play doesn't reflect well on him. No, he's had a few at the back post as well where you kind of think, I'm not sure if he knows where the striker is here. There was a big um, one. At with the end this of last it, season, it feels like a, a sort of <laughs> yeah. The uh, there should be <laughs> there should be some sort of like instinct as well that even if you're not going to make it, you're going to jump and make it difficult for the guy, even if you can sort of blindside him or whatever, which Trent doesn't seem to have. The flip side to that is, I will say, if you allow them a situation where they can stick a ball at that perfect for Mitrovic to attack at the yeah. back post. He is never, ever, 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 ever going to beat Mitrovic. He's never going to. That's 
Midrovic would have been licking his lips. So for all yeah. I've yeah. said there about what more he could have done, Midrovic is going to absolutely batter him. So it's I, going to end in a goal 99 times out of 100. That's Midrovic's meat and drink. I can't think who which keeper it was I was hearing recently. Probably Ben Foster, the amount that bloke here gets in your ears. But what there was guy? some keeper, and they basically, they basically said they were always taught never not never don't dive and they were shown a clip of them diving after the ball has seemingly gone in the net and they just said the worst <laughs> thing for a fan to see is the ball in the net and you're still standing there like yeah. you've not even made an effort to go for it and it feels a bit similar to Trent there where if you jump and Mitrovic just bodies you it's like oh well, to be fair he's one of the most physical strikers in this league but could Trent have had a stronger jump and there'll be something like that still but it looks like you're just completely no clue the guy's there when you aren't going for it in the manner that you should be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's not an isolated incident, so that's why people no. are picking up on it. But uh but again, you... I'll say a hundred times the the payoff with Trent is worth it so far. Yeah. Maybe one day it will cease to be. But Kenny Tetty, peach of a ball. It seemed like everyone at Fulham played about as well as they could have hoped. And I think you've referred to that already, but I don't think Marcus Silva went out there thinking that Kenny Tessi was going to play like that. I don't think he even <laughs> thought Mitrovic was going to play like that. I don't know if you saw the interviews after. The reporter saying to him, look, there's people out there that say Mitrovic can't score in the Premier League. And it's like, give jeez, Louis. <laughs> give the bloke a break. Reporters definitely are getting more bullish with some of their sort of line of questions and stuff. They've, uh, and they've watched some of the ones from abroad and thought, okay, we're just going to go in on these uh, managers to see if we can get a bite. It's all those clicks they got off uh, Stevie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, Des Kelly's going to be having like a stab-proof vest from now on, I think. <laughs> Something that with United being as shit as they are, I keep seeing a lot of these uh, old Jose interviews repurposed on TikTok with that same dramatic music in the background. Some of them are fantastic. I think we need more managers just stopping and speaking for five minutes straight like that. <laughs> Probably not Klopp, to be honest with you, but if we can... <laughs> we need Pep, less Klopp. Yeah, maybe if uh, if Pep fans is a go, the one of Jose saying, look at where all the players are that City bought three, four, five years ago, and look how long these players stay at United, and look at where they go after. Unbelievable. Um, he really did let the place burn off, Jose. <laughs> <laughs> It is aging pretty well, him saying, me finishing second is one of the best uh, achievements of my career. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, honestly. Don't fucking believe it. Different situation, different scene. People doing that kills me. I Watch a few of these dramatic clips and you might be charmed as well. Well, look, I mean, they've been battered enough into it that they're going, (laughs) Rangnick was right all along. I could have told you the same stuff Rangnick was saying. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like, like he was some sort of like, um, you know, like, like he was Nostradamus or something, saying, oh, Fred you know, is team. not going to be the pivot <laughs> you need. On, on Mitrovic, then, he scored 43 goals in the championship last season, which doesn't even look like a real stat. That's um, as people saying at the age of 27, he might finally be ready for the Premier League. This was, I'm not the first person to say it, a proper centre forward performance, particularly a modern centre forward performance in the way he was holding up the ball, the way he was driving at people, the way he was just making himself known to the defenders, everything about it. I don't, I don't want to praise the guy too much for doing something simple, but he actually drove at Van Dyke, which is something we don't usually see. And so no. we have to take note when these things happen. And 
let his force Van Dijk into making an error and he's won himself a penalty. Yeah. I, I thought I thought Van Dijk had a really off game. In all in all fairness, I thought his I thought his spatial awareness of Mitrovic was awful, absolutely awful. There was two times where he got caught sleeping and had him nowhere near him. I, I just as much as Mitrovic did, you know, ultimately put himself in those positions where he needed to be to cause that. I just would expect better than better than that from Van Dijk from what we've seen previously. Do you think it was a penalty, TK? Absolutely not. It's very soft, isn't it? It's it's going to be given because any contact. It's, it's if, if that's a penalty, if that's a penalty, if that's a penalty, how on earth was the one in the United game yeah. not a penalty? We're going to we're going to get to that. So that yeah. But I think it's quite a clear one when you see their knees banged together like that. Yeah, my main thing is that Van Dijk is looking to pull his leg out of it, knowing what's happening. Which is, but once there's any sort of contact in the box, I'm accepting that, that there's going to be a penalty. It's, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, kind of the way. I, I, I would argue. I would argue that I thought Mitrovic caused the contact by seeing the opportunity to throw himself for. He was already throwing himself forward for the dive when that when the knees made contact. The initial the initial movement that Van Dijk made, he got out of the way with his other foot. So I, I thought it was more caused by Mitrovic. But... Well, I, hope, I hope you keep this same energy throughout the season. Fuck me. The um, <laughs> the issue I thought they also didn't give us the best camera angle as well because the ones they kept giving us they kept giving us was well the, the one initially like does he actually make any contact initially yeah, that's what where you get no, there's a reverse where that's been doing around on Twitter shockingly because obviously there was a debatable Liverpool penalty so we had to prove. For sure, it definitely was a penalty because how else could we sleep at night? Um, and they're definitely not knees. So on that basis, again, you're going to get a penalty. When you get that little zoom-in ring they do to show the contact, <laughs> you know you're getting cooked. <laughs> is this a thing that... Is, are we not almost always describing this as good centre-forward play when you initiate the contact? Like, Fardy was it's praised for it for about three seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got no criticism of Mitrovic. It's um, more surprising because he's not particularly mobile and Van Dyke's obviously having far shiftier players try and do that to him. Maybe it is just start of the season, not quite as fresh as you would be uh, further down the line. I think he does tend to get better as seasons go on as well, Van Dyke. If you look at him, he does tend to start a little bit slow. Looks Even concentration seems a little bit off. I'm not quite sure you know, what you can really put that down to because you'd think more games, your concentration, you get more tired, you, you wouldn't be able to, so... I'm not really sure why that is, but yeah, look, it was a good weekend for the big man up front, wasn't it? He had a few. Obviously, we're going to talk about Haaland, Nunes, Mitrovic, Kiffermore, obviously, obviously, cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Just the big man up top is back. Yeah. If we can revert from the forwards, because once again, Liverpool's midfield is being questioned. I mean, Klopp was concerned about his injury issues before kickoff. You've got Kelleher, Jota, Canate, Ox, surprisingly, Simicast <laughs> and Curtis Jones all unavailable. You now add Thiago to that list, but even with Thiago in there, I think we spoke about this, I mean, countless times over the summer. We all kind of expected Liverpool to add some legs into their midfield. And when when the like a new signing comes out for Harvey Elliott, bad sign that. Yeah, when it comes out for anyone, that's a bad sign, isn't it? <laughs> that's kind of... Other than Saliva. But if, if, you know, I don't know, if you... If someone said, I haven't got you a Christmas present this year, look, there's something you've already got. It'll be like a new <laughs> present. You'd be like, I think you've maybe been a bit of a cheapskate. 
Uh, I'm not surprised if it will happen. I, I half expected when it looked like when Alden was coming available for nothing, basically. Yeah. Whether they might go for him on, you know, short term option. Um, I they do wonder if pride, the injuries, they there? might they might relook at it. I do wonder if they might. Yeah. Um, I know if I was to place a bet on a midfielder, if I had to say you were going to sign one, Mateus Nunes looks like Liverpool business all over, <laughs> to be honest, when you yeah. think about the price, the, the level of potential, the multiple positions he can play. And the fact that City are linked, it may be one where you say, look, if you can't afford him this summer, then maybe we'll jump in now. Yeah, it's true. So it's linked with um, Brozovic as well. Nice. So it's... Uh... I'm not sure they will, but it wouldn't. It would surprise me if maybe that game, the fitness, does make you question it. I mean, I don't know who at the club is shocked that Cater and Ox are on the injury. <laughs> and I, I, or Curtis no Jones, to be fair. Not, yeah, true. I'm not sure how he, who's looking at that situation. I can't believe it's happened again. Isn't it? When a player picks up an eye injury, you start to think you might be cursed. Actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Darwin then, we spoke about Mitrovic. Marks his Premier League debut with a goal and an assist. We'll give him the assist um, to salvage a point. He makes no sense. (laughs) This is a harsh comparison. Yaya Sonogo used to be brought on for Arsenal and Wenger described it as he brings chaos. Now, Nuno Tavares does similar at the wrong end. This just (laughs) looks like a higher level of that. Like he goes in, and whether he's putting the ball in the back of the net or not, the defenders just look so scrambled at his mere presence in and around the area. But both goals are a product of his movement, his energy. You wouldn't be shocked to see him starting next week, would you? Yeah, they're going to be in a weird spot, aren't they? Well, you don't really want him to become a superstar if you spent this money on him. Um, you, you didn't spend that money to get a, a Rigi replacement. No, you also he, don't want to be caught out by the same flick twice in the space of about two minutes if you're full of... Yeah, very much the case of the boxer that gets caught with the left hook then leaves himself wide open to it again. You know, well, you got what you deserved, didn't you? The uh, Yeah, I, I said it on our preview pod. That I think if, the thing with Darwin is even if he does turn out to be a success, I think he's probably not going to be the easiest on the eye. He's probably not going to be the prettiest. And that's pretty much... <laughs> If you wanted the game to advertise that view, this probably it. It wasn't, although the finish was nice, but even that ended up being a bit weird. Yeah. It looked <laughs> like he'd flicked it and then it bounces back off the fender back off him. The intention was good, if nothing else, I guess. It's like, the, uh, but every oh. time he comes on, he, there is carnage, like you said, isn't there? And we created more in the community shield and in this game once he was on. So we're going to see him from the start. If not next game, it's coming, isn't it? At some are point, you, not... are you are you around about saying that he's just a player who hasn't got that dog in him? I'd say it's think, the opposite. I think he's got that dog in him. Yeah, it's just, think, it's just he's a lot like a dog, right? If you just from <laughs> from a ball for a dog, he will run like fuck. He might not look, <laughs> he might not be thinking too much about what's going on, but he'll run. At some point, it's not coincidence if the ball keeps falling at your feet. No. It's a good point because I was kind of watching this thinking, right, we're getting more and more chances against Fulham here. And you're watching him thinking it's not because of him. But it is. It, it must be because he, he's making these runs. He's occupying defenders in a way that we weren't prior to that. But uh, 
yeah, yeah, we, we could probably get six months into a season and think he's not playing that well, but he could have rattled in a few goals. Yeah. All right, I just brought Hello. Sean in. Uh, well, this I, is he, like a stone cold just coming in. <laughs> <laughs> I know he uh, put himself through the Spurs game on uh, Saturday, so I thought dial him in for fifteen minutes. He can't complain; he's been around too long. I'm sure had it stayed one nil to Southampton, Sean would have been on the call today. I'm sure. Well, I can tell you now. I've already started planning our deadline day podcast because deadline day this year is on a Thursday, and so in advance, like I do, reached out to Connor. I assume you'll be around deadline day, <laughs> and he says, "Honestly, it depends." And I'm, what, what, what do you mean it depends? And he went, "If it stays like this, then no." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they're going to have the, surely the most interesting deadline day. He should be on. But he seems like he doesn't like ranting. Like he just likes being bottled up. I mean, I don't know what his missus has to put up with if he's just complaining to her about the Glazers taking their dividends. <laughs> <laughs> he was. It was making me laugh earlier when he was just imagining when he was talking about his FPL team. Was like, I just, I just don't understand. <laughs> It looks like I, a good team. I the messaged, problem is, that's what they're doing upstairs at Man United as well. Like, I just don't understand. It looks like it should work. <laughs> no, it doesn't, lads. You think this. None of us think it. We you, can it see, you can see and hear the pain in his, in his, in his texts. You can see yeah. and hear it. Yeah, I'm kind of worried for him, actually. We had it confirmed earlier that Sesco is going to Leipzig. Uh, they're taking a lesser offer to continue his development and he'll sign there in a year's time. And I messaged him after I already had done with Rabio, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. <laughs> and he just messaged me saying, Luke, just don't. <laughs> I take back everything I've said about Arsenal. I can't do this anymore. Have you heard from him since? I have, yeah. So we'll see if he's around on <laughs> he's deadline day. He's okay. I believe we have a return of the major on deadline day as well. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, Tottenham, Southampton. So Tottenham underlined their credentials as a team capable I'm sure near of a Premier League title let's not go too far of uh, <laughs> competing at the top end of the table with a 4-1 victory against Southampton went behind to a James Ward-Prowse volley in the 12th minute but then dominated throughout with goals from Sessegnon, Dyer, and Kuliszewski now Southampton's lead only lasted nine minutes before Sessegnon does power a header uh, past Bazunu. Any worries about how easy it seemed for Southampton to score, or are we just putting that down to rust? Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd put it down to a bit of just rust. I, I wasn't worried. There wasn't really much. It, it was a good, like, take nothing away from the finish as well. Like, it, it was a really nice finish. He shouldn't have been in the space that he had, and he shouldn't have had... It was the first time shot, so I don't want to say he had a lot of time, but he had plenty of space and he could have taken a touch if he wanted to and had a bang. But yeah, I put it down to a bit of rust out of the gate and the rest of the game after that showed that for sure because we just steamrolled them after that. They described it on... I blame Romero because AJ said nasty things about my centre-half. Well, no, I, mean, uh, I mean, we can speak about Romero if you want because very few players get away with the amount he gets away with. Uh, since when we get scissor challenges going in and we just laugh it off like, oh, Romero, he's such a funny character, isn't he? He's <laughs> 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 defenders, baby. 
<laughs> we just laugh it off because, dare I say, I'm going to open the chest. Oh, if Granite Xhaka did that. Oh, here we go. Oh. We literally saw two dives in the space of a minute on Friday night. One was booked and one wasn't. And you can guess who the one was. But Sean, Sessegnon, he, he looked like he rose to the pressure of having Perisic brought in his first ever Premier League goal. And by all accounts, it sounds like people were disappointed that he was taken off. Yeah, play, play, did play really well. Um, he's obviously impressed towards the end of the last season, which is why Reguilón <coughs> has obviously been sacked off. Um, and yeah, I think he has, he has done really well. If you look at some of Conte's quotes, it kind of sounds like he is viewing Perisic as someone to do that kind of training and mentor and not definitely first choice. I think Perisic might eventually play more of the bigger games, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sessegnon played more than than, uh, than Perisic does. The fact you're already negotiating... Puzzle stoned him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't but... believe it. He's Jay Spearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're already negotiating for um, Yodogi from uh, Napoli, is it? Yeah, yeah. And so it looks like... You're already planning for life after Perisic before he's even got in. Um, do you think playing exclusively as a wing back will help or hinder Sessegnon's England chances? Because he's got to look at some of the players that have played left back in even just the last couple of years for England and think, I'm good enough to be in there. Yeah, they were, they were, I was just listening to a Spurs pod before coming on here and they were talking about him making the England squad. I think it. I guess it depends on what system Southgate plays. If if he does decide, he held it against Dyer, didn't he? He said that he only plays in a five. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I mean, that's another one. Who, I mean, our our centre backs aren't that great at the moment. That Dyer realistically should be in based on his form. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe it does hinder. Because um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, just, I was a little bit shocked at that statement. That rocked me a bit. He's <laughs> probably right. as a scary thing. If you, watch, if you look at his, if you look at his form, uh, uh, yeah, take it. He's playing the back three, but if you look at his no, form, I, I, actually, I don't back. disagree. I, I don't disagree. Is, it was just is a disadvantage where he isn't Kieran Trippier. So, it's, unfortunately, you're always going to be below him in the left back ranking somehow. Yeah. Like, I, I play there. I is he Tyrek He's not going to have enough. Hmm. He's not going to have enough time. Uh, do we have another? We have another break, don't we? Before the we have a couple breaks, I'm assuming before the World Cup. It's only uh, one, isn't it? It's only one, one, yeah. Okay, I could see him if he play. Let's say he plays, he plays well. He'll get a call up and he'll play, but then ultimately Southgate will end up taking. There's short... always a dodgy call up. Yeah, possibly. Um, and I guess the other thing is we have extra players. We've got, there's three extra players, isn't there this time? Yeah, Cucurella so injury... might might put a. Uh... Chilwell out of the team as well. I was about to say the thing is, it depends what happens with Chelsea. If Cucurella's playing there, what yeah. happens with Chilwell? Sessignon might be the only one playing and playing in the position that Southgate wants. That's Chelsea's most important player. You have some goddamn respect. Second most important now. Cucurella's the main guy now. Trippier and uh, Trippier and Chilwell are probably his biggest competition. Like I said, if Chilwell loses his spot, then then maybe that's his way to get in. I can't see I mean, sure. Tyrek Mitchell was in is is was my thinking that yeah. I'd probably still take Tyrek Mitchell over him, but it's like he's they're in the same conversation, aren't they? I yeah. think if he is a run for Spurs, that'll probably get in the nod fairly run fairly. Yeah. Um now Kulishevsky, he made the first, scored the fourth, and by all accounts just spent the whole afternoon just getting at Southampton. On a day where 
Kane and Son chip in for one assist between them. We'll speak about them in a moment. Nice to have someone else running the show. He did as well, didn't he? Uh, his positioning was absolutely superb. His movement with the ball, his vision was just brilliant. I mean, I taking nothing away from it, the Southampton defence did absolutely nothing to work against him with what how he was showing up. But he just made it look easy. I thought just that, that goal at the end was just te- uh, like a, a nice summary of his performance, really. Got in position, moved away from any defenders, stood in space, picked your port, pick, picked the net out, put it in the back, put it in the back. No, no, no qualms, no struggle about it. I thought his link up play coming from the right wing back position was pretty good, um, but he never seemed under any pressure at any point during the match. No, he didn't. He linked up well from the right wing back position. He linked up well. <laughs> terrorist move for Conte. So, but he um, no, he didn't play right wing back. Uh, but I thought, I, I thought that, like that's that... outrageous for Conte. Yes, done. That. He played. Uh, he played there for well, only like yeah, half game. Yeah. But he played there again when we lost to Burnley one 0 So that's not a good omen. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he just he never looked under pressure at all. He just controlled his area of the pitch so well. Well, Sean, I saw him being spoken about. Obviously, the amount he has been spoken about this weekend. <laughs> And it's been pointed out that his standout quality is probably his decision-making. What is he, 22 years old? And when you can be picking out the right ball, whether it's a pass or a shot or a cross, nine times out of ten, and you have a clinical duo to the left of you, that makes for a very, very good player to have in your team. Yeah, and he's very, uh, very unique player as well because obviously he plays on the right, cuts in the left, but he's not not the pace that Bale or say Robin have. Um, but then he can, he can hold up the ball and make those passes and movements like, like Dembele, for, Musa, for example. Um, so, but yeah, you're right. His decision, like some of the, I thought he was playing quality before, you know, even got a goal or assist, but some of the passes he could put through and he just never seems to, to lose the ball. Cause he's obviously not quick, but he can move away from people. So, yeah, I mean, I've been. There's obviously a lot of talk around Richarlison taking his place, but I don't, I don't see that happen. I think Kulusevski will stay. I think he is. This season's going to end up being, you know, it's going to be a big three. Obviously, there's not been enough time elapsed to put him with Kane and Son yet, but I do think he's going to be the main one, and I think Richarlison is someone who's going to come on, on the left, when well, the Kane or Son or yep. play in the middle. Yeah, because got be, it. His so, head is going to yeah. go. Well, that was the thing I had down in my notes. Like, is he even competing with Richarlison? <laughs> because Kulishevsky says that he sees himself as a number 10. And yeah. I know it's just the latest kind of buzzword we get in football, but he operates really in those kind of half spaces. Like, as you said, he's not hugging the touchline. He's not even really playing that wide. He just is more on the right-hand side than he is central. And so the positions he's taken up there, it's not like Richarlison is the same type of player where he's going to come in and compete with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously we'll we'll see none of the new starters. He's really suspended, play. isn't he, Richarlison? That's why. Richarlison was suspended anyway, but obviously no, no one else kind of started. Um, Do you think even if they aren't the same position, then bringing in Richarlison, like we said with Perisic, add some level of pressure that you do have to up your game. You spoke about it was very unlike Spurs to bring in quality depth. 
And so if everyone is having to fight for their place, it's only going to serve to have you play as a better team. Call yeah. It call, call it competitive depth. And that was, that, you know, that was potentially the issue for the last couple of years when you had that good Pochettino squad, which no one else come in and then they knew, well, no one else, no one's going to take my position. So uh, I think now in the wing backs, in the midfield, you've realistically, you've probably only got Kane, Son, Romero and Lloris, I'd say, are the ones that are guaranteed to play. Um, outside of that, there's competition there. So, so yeah, I do think it raises the levels. And if we do you think, speak- um, do, do you think with sort of like the the decision making that we saw from Kluczewski, do you think he? Because obviously we were talking in the last pod about the the lack of signings that we made, maybe in a creative element in the middle of the park. Do you think you could see him moving into the middle of the park in certain situations with the sort of passing that we saw at the weekend? You don't so, really play with a ten, do you? We 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 don't know. So, but but yeah, and actually, question yeah, if for whatever reason we wanted to change up the system, then then yeah, you could put Kudaseski there, and then you say you put even more, or obviously potentially you put Rashalison there as well. So I think that could happen. Yeah, he's got the ability to be that creative person, but we don't. Play yeah, him. it's just because because we speak about how one dimensional we can be. Like I think we performed so well at the weekend just because it was pretty much uh, take the squad that we had at the end of the season and put them out with that momentum carrying on. And it was just, it was always going to be too much for Southampton as long as the players didn't have a howler of any kind. But Well, they did. Like that, we said, I mean, we that did. own goal, Christ. <laughs> yeah, was so bad. <laughs> yeah. that, were, that was comical. Yeah, they described it on yeah, BT as an Achilles heel for Southampton, the amount of goals they're conceding. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they described it, I think it was... Chris Sutton doing that game there was no way the description could have prepared me for what I was about to see <laughs> like there's no one charging in on him it's like there's just no need for it I think if we have an I, I found myself I, I found myself looking at the, at the repeats of that replays of that trying to find some sort of saving grace for the for the for the guy, I, I thought did, has, it, like, has, it, has it has it looked? Yeah, no, he didn't. As he did, it kind of bounce funny in a way that it moved from going towards the front of his foot to the heel. I, I mean, there was just no redeeming quality about any of the camera angles, but we take so, it. I said Erdegaard was one footed. There's being one footed, and then there's spooning it into your own net because you won't go with your <laughs> weak foot. Um, Real uh, Royale played very well as well. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Now. <laughs> Kane and Son, no goals for either of them. Panic time. Hit the panic button. On the highlights, and I'm going off that, that's the main question I wanted to ask you, Sean, is it looked like Son was being quite greedy at points. I don't know if it's when the goals are going up. I don't know if it's that he's had a taste of a golden boot, but Kane looked like he was getting pretty frustrated with him at times. Uh, I think there was, from memory I watched, there there was one specific moment which... I, uh, I watched match today briefly, but I don't know if I'm sure when it was on it on the game where he like runs, goes across sideways and shoots and like falls over. And then I remember seeing on the game like Kane is like full on shouting at him um, and fuming. But outside of that, I didn't really see too much more of that. Like there was another time where he took a shot and, and missed and Kane complained, but probably well within his rights to take it. There was only the one moment where 
he should have passed. I think it. I, I thought I, I'm pretty sure there was a moment where Kane could have slotted a pass as well after that initial sun one where he moved from yeah. one side of the box to the other. I think they just both wanted a goal. I think I think that it was just they both wanted a goal on the opening day of the season. Really, I think that's all it was. I don't I don't think Sun's the kind of player that you can have beef with. I think you just it's take what you think. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah. This podcast doesn't say. He's yeah. not that kind of guy. Um, but no, I just think it was they both wanted a goal on the opening day of the season. Nothing deep rooted at all. No. Oh. Very few they people. They both won't want to go on the second game of the season, then. So always by the ends. No, I, I think it'll be much more. It'll be much more of a no after you. No after you affair in the next game. I promise. A lot it went pe- a lot like that with Salah and Mane. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were unhappy for their fantasy teams that Kane or Son didn't get on the board. I think the people that should be most unhappy are the team we're about to get onto, and that's Chelsea because look, you, you don't want those the two mo- going into a game. <laughs> feeling like they're owed a goal and then they get in to face you. That is a big game this weekend. It is a that massive is, game. It's, it's huge. I mean, because Chelsea have been sunning Spurs. Chelsea have been sunning Spurs. I was looking at it and I was thinking this was Southampton and when their heads drop, they really drop. When they get a couple of goals. Yeah, let's contest they Southampton. They, us. they I mean, turn up and, and kill us every year. I mean, they yeah, conceded. Yeah, well. oh, don't remind to us. TK of that. They conceded six to us last season at home. So if if any team can can concede six against us, they they must be joking. Well, Jack, let's get on to your game. Chelsea opened the season with a victory over Everton as Jorginho's penalty decided a. Pretty awful contest at Goodison Park. I think the stat that came out today was that the ball was in play for 47% Jesus. of the allotted time. Now, Koulibaly <laughs> came into the side. Sterling came into the side. Everton, no recognised striker following the sale of Richarlison. They had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony, Gordon. Anthony Gordon up top. And, uh, we'll speak about him in a little bit. <laughs> It was just the most Everton start to a game that I could ever have wished for. Like, there are people who would describe things as that's so Arsenal. Like, Everton is like another level. <laughs> How you've got your defender playing a dodgy back pass to your keeper who can't keep it in play. It goes out of play, but he kicks it back into play. And then the linesman is so off the pace because he can't believe the back pass that's been played. <laughs> he's so away with the game, but he still thinks it's in play. And then your centre back tries to nail someone and breaks his own ankle. <laughs> I really hope the Lino in his report after is like, well, look, I was behind, admittedly, but I couldn't believe how shit they were. <laughs> First of all, justice for Tommy Asu, finally. On top of that, this is just pure, pure Everton. Look, Pickford will injure the defender. He will do that, okay? And then Yerimina goes off in the second half. They're just horrific. That Decore foul, they were playing pretty well at the time. I mean, expectations are low for them, but they were playing pretty well. Chelsea weren't threatening too much. And then Decore, just for no reason, (laughs) decides to commit a foul like that, I'm not sure there's a team full of bigger idiots in this league. 
<laughs> it's so true. What the hell is he thinking? Up, in, up until that point, we didn't really look like scoring. I know that Sterling had been ruled out for offside, um, but he was well off. And that was just, yeah, like, his insistence he wasn't offside was great. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. He was well off. Um, Jack, Remember, Jack did say they can be wrong sometimes. They bent the line for that Lingard goal against the Netherlands. <laughs> that, was, that Harry Kane goal against Chelsea in the League Cup when it first came in, that was a <laughs> Um, but not this time, though. He was well outside. <laughs> Jack, Kai Havertz tweeted after the game celebrating a clean sheet like <laughs> no, he's a centre-back. This, this guy, this guy has to start scoring soon. Like, I've defended him. Like, he <laughs> There's is, a limit. It's, it's not even the fact that... It's, it's not even the fact that he's not scoring. He's not playing well either. Like, he's completely anonymous. And the problem is, is that he's been played as a winger. He's been played as an eight. And everyone was like, see, this is what happens. When you play him in his right position, things come into their own. And now, if he's not a striker, then what the fuck is he? Yeah, he's been playing <laughs> as a striker for he's a just, long time now. He's just so some gangly, <laughs> like, awkward bloke up front. He can't do anything. He can't hold it up. He can't head the ball. Because some of the head chances he missed last season, we should have <laughs> won at the burnabout because of him. And he can't finish. But when it's one-on-one, when I see him with the ball, I'm like, what is the point? So I don't really know what he does. Um, and then Brozier comes on, who was playing at Southampton last season. It's more effective in the 10 minutes that he's on the pitch than I did see you tweet Brozier had a good game. I thought, oh, we're on the floor here. Yeah. But this, well, this, this is the thing. Like, if just being effective up front and actually having touches of the ball means you've had a good being game. Being a striker. The bar is so, so low at the moment that I'd be starting Brozier next week. And you do have a hundred million pound man on loan as well. I mean, don't even get me started on that. And the stinky one on the way out. He's just landed for his medical. I can't believe I'm as happy for I am about it. Like I've just I can't believe you've got thirty million. Apparently it's I thought it was twenty, and then with bonus Euros, so it's probably a twenty. Ah, right, yeah. So I mean I just looked at his um there was there was a thread that's just come out on Twitter and He's number 35 for goals per game. Um, five places behind Torres, um, which isn't a good endorsement. He shares <laughs> he shares the same goals per game as... Um, well, he's one better Is this Werner or Havertz? Werner. He's one better than Falcao and Kasaragi, who oh, played like two games. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's... But at the end of the day, he kept his mouth shut. He realised he wasn't playing that well. And kept trying. I guess that's all you can hope for. Well, it looked I, like every time he finally was starting to get good, now you're getting rid of him. But when when did he start getting good? Have I missed? He this? looked good against yeah. Madrid. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> but the problem is, when it's one game a season, it's not good enough, is it? He looks he looks absolutely dire against Watford. So like, where's where's the yardstick we're using here? Well, Havertz is probably the one I'd use. Do we think Sterling had a word with Havertz for mocking him after the Champions League final? Um, probably not. I think See that might... clip of him saying to Malang Sar, so you're a centre-back or a left-back? Yeah, Why are you? He's left the club now. He must be just so embarrassed he had to leave. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> I, think, I think the only correct answer to that is neither, to, to, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, Cucurelli's debut was 
only notable for the yellow card he picked up for kicking hey. the ball away in the last minutes. Wow. What is, else did he do for his debut? He was our. He was. He looked the brightest spark. Don't say oh, that game. passing. That did you watch, passing did you watch the game? He almost. He almost set up a goal for Sterling. <laughs> Hadn't missed Don't tell me you drifted off during this front of Luke. Don't tell me. I can't Don't... believe what I'm hearing. You did, you he did was not... coming on as spraying passes. You did not watch the game if, if that's I... what you think. He looked he looked our best player when he was on the pitch by my I thought Broger did. I didn't say that, I said he looked effective. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh... All right, okay. He was he was alive. We'll we'll skip that bullet point in my notes. Now, Jack, this didn't strike me as a team. That's most pressing concern is an eighty-five million pound defender. Um, no, like we need a striker. We need creativity. We can't. Our, all our issues come out of the fact that we cannot score goals. So, I understand that they probably want another centre back so they can either trial four at the back so they'll have one of Chalabar, um, Kulabali, and then Thiago Silva. We're playing the world's slowest striker. There was actually a time where there was a bit of a mix-up, and he had to, it was in a foot race with Damari Gray, Tiago Silva, and it oh. looked it looked bad. But he came back and recovered. But how looked, slow did Koulibaly look? Eh? Yeah, he did look slow. But apart <laughs> from that, he had a pretty good game. Um, I think it's one of those ways he's new to the league. He was he, against an Everton team with no striker. <laughs> if he didn't look good, I'd be worried. Yeah. And three centre arse on Anthony Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> Poor no, little bloke. Let's talk about Anthony Gordon. Jesus. Hey, the kid looks lively, but so does Nathan Redmond when he gets a game. I genuinely do not see what is so special about. He closed down well, and that was about it. Like, he, he ran around like a headless chicken. Where have we got to? We slacked <laughs> off Dirk Coit for just being a guy that's, that chased people down, and he had 10 times the ability that Anthony Gordon has. We're not praising a bloke for just chasing after people. I think that's how far the bar's fallen at Everton. Everton. I mean, yeah, fair enough. but that, that, that is what they praise. Someone who actually acts like they want to be there, which half their team don't. So I, I can't unsee the Claire Bolding comparison. <laughs> and he started his hair blonde to just make it worse. His new haircut makes him look like Gareth in the office. Yeah, I'm not so, sure who told him that was a good idea. But then Everton, look, they didn't have a striker this weekend. I think Rondon was going to be starting a striker in their next game. Um, Onana choosing them over West Ham shook me to my core. That is about as low as things could be for a West Ham fan, probably since they were relegated. I can, I can only I can only assimilate that it's because of money. Because he must have thrown the like it's, it's it's the same as Jesse Lingard. Like those players should be paying for West Ham, really. But if, if it came down to money, I just find it mad that a newly promoted team can offer more money than West Ham can, and they don't even own their stadium. It's not necessarily a case of being able to offer it; it's offering it, and sometimes yeah. like you shouldn't be offering that 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 amount of cash. No, that's fair. Um, because elsewhere they've got uh, Adrissa Gay coming back in Connor Cody on loan with an obligation very weird one that is a weird move I know he's a Liverpool fan as well isn't he no I yeah. think he is is he yeah blimey. he is a Liverpool fan oh, blimey because uh, when I was, was reading they were speculating they were going to let he was, he was going to let Wolves lose to us on the last game of the season <laughs> yeah. that'll be what does it yeah Connor Cody's master plan 
is um, I was reading from a Wolves reporter, and they essentially said that for one, with Cody, he's their captain. They they've told him we're going in a different direction defensively. They want to go to a four at the back, and they don't feel that he fits what they're trying to do. So he's not going to be a guaranteed starter. And so they say the twelve million. That's the reasoning for it. They don't need the cash clearly and they're happy to let him go to where he wants to go. Also, they did make clear they absolutely do not see Everton as any kind of rival whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And so they feel a lot more comfortable doing this than if it was, say, Tottenham coming in for him. I've seen some Wolves fans up in arms about him going. I mean, I imagine if he's your player, you probably could be quite attached to him. I've not he has done a lot same. for them as well, hasn't yeah. he? With, with how their defence looks against Leeds as well, I think, like, yeah. they, I don't think they really want to be losing their captain slash defensive. Clearly they do. He's, he's had his medical now. Um, since reading that England should have taken him as a player coach because <laughs> they just said he was so good for morale, but he was just, <laughs> he's just shit on the pitch. I've not looked at him the same way, but look, they'll just do that. Give him a couple of Monday night football interviews in. Everyone won't be too fussed if uh, they start conceding goals. Be quite something to see the Everton fans turn on him. Though, as he's having a bit of a laugh on Monday Night Football with Caro. It's like you're bottom of the league, Connor. Two years ago, some people would have told you that Tarkovsky, Keane, and Cody was the way to Keen go for England as centre back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Keane can't even get a game now over uh, Mason Holgate. So, look, how far have things gone for you? And Lampard has responded to saying that. Seamus Coleman is the best bloke he has ever met to him getting nowhere near a team that is as dire as Everton is. So that's how you treat your mates. I'm not too sure. But that was his way of saying, fuck off. Now. <laughs> I reckon he was like, I've said something nice about you. Now. Do me a favour. Well, there was a thing on The Athletic when uh, Rafa was there and they said like internally at Everton, they go into every summer like, we're going to find a Coleman replacement this time. And then they look around and it was like, even, he looks, <laughs> even he's looking you ever seen like a dog and just think he looks like he wants to be put down like, Coleman's like are you going to get someone into replacement I can't keep doing this shit they got Nathan Patterson in um, but let's talk about Man United Brighton so before the game even kicked off we saw United link with Arnautovic which we will get to later <laughs> but this was a sign of where their day was going <laughs> Cristiano started on the bench Ericsson up top and just like that, any optimism there was around the summer of Ten Hag having people training on time, <laughs> that he may have just fixed things overnight because they won a friendly in China. That didn't go to plan. Uh, horrible start. After 30 minutes, Brighton took the lead. After Mitrovic, Danny Welbeck probably has the performance of the weekend. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I only obviously caught the end of the game, but then I watched some highlights of it before. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. If he had knees for the last like ten years, he'd Just be careful a what you're about to say. Careful what you're about to say. For us, there was a time when, and it's dark days to look back. Well, maybe not dark days in the Champions League. I remember getting a hat trick against Galatasaray on his uh, debut for us. People were comparing him to Thierry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying if he had knees, this would be where we'd be going. But he wouldn't be at Brighton. Just everything he has is is pressing, 
He'd still be playing for England, for fuck's sake. He had a great record for England, don't you forget. Don't yes. let me tell the story about me betting on him to score against Switzerland again. <laughs> but he, yeah, he was fantastic yesterday. Um, if I spoke about the introduction to the Premier League that Saliba had, welcome to the Premier League, Lissandro Martinez. That little Ewok thought he could just bounce into the <laughs> Premier League with a bit of aggression and it would all fall into place. He got bullied. By Welbs. By he lost Welbeck for the first goal. No clue where he was for the second. Lalana's coming out saying they targeted him pre-game. That's Unbelievable. That's, that's five minutes there. Neville yeah, said don't afterwards. Forget that opening 25. Yeah. Didn't give the ball yeah. away. Neville said afterwards he wouldn't judge a player this soon. Hang on a minute. He was doing think pieces about Ben White before he'd even kicked the ball against Brentford. <laughs> that disgrace. <laughs> he played one clip ball wide under no pressure, and I'm being told this is what he signed up for. <laughs> he could have been cooking up ticky tacker with Erdegaard, but instead he's gone to be a part of the worst rebuild in the history of football. They, yesterday, they should have been ashamed of themselves, to be honest with you. Gross shouldn't be scoring two against you, no matter who you are. <laughs> and, yeah, I go on Twitter, and everything's Harry Maguire's fault. Yeah, that was odd. I didn't think this was the best example of Harry Maguire being the devil incarnate. If anything, Maguire's having to cover for the bloke he has to keep looking down to clock over his shoulder. <laughs> Their second goal, where they've got it up... I mean, De Gea is a disgrace for both the goals. He is, and yet, no one ever says anything, and no United fans ever say anything about him. It is odd. You looked at his uh, stats last season. He's the worst goalkeeper in the top six, but... If we're calling Ramsdale a camera merchant, I don't know what that makes De Gea. The one where he had about 10 minutes to pass it out from the back and just booted it out into touch. His distribution is really bad. <laughs> like, super bad. We did it last week, didn't we? We said, well, I'm Spanish, but I can obviously pass it. We've not seen it. Get Thomas Kushak back. Tom Heaton. I think as well, like how he's coming, we're coming off the back of a week where Dean Henderson's had a lot to say. Oh, yeah, he did. And um, this hasn't helped to his case whatsoever. I mean, yeah. I, I would look at it the other way now. I don't think it's helped Henderson's because he still can't get in ahead of this guy. No. He, he's crying a whinging and they promised me the shirt. It's like, what are you doing in training that meant he kept playing? Yeah. Well, I, I imagine he can't do anything bad enough that he stays behind that bloke for all season. And his whole thing, United claim that we want these winners, we want these winners that are willing to fight for the shirt. Tom Heaton says a few things in an interview and they're outraged. Dean, Dean Henderson? Are you, or yeah. is Tom Heaton also stuck yeah. the club as well? Tom Heaton, not. I'm We're campaigning just, to get him in this our, weekend. Our ex-Man United goalkeeper is just going in this week. He's still there, isn't he? I'm busy. I think he's their backup keeper now. What's Lee Grant doing? He retired. Fair play to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, they're Brighton second More importantly, goal. What's Rob Green doing? <laughs> he had them second. What's he thinking now? Yeah, yeah. Brighton's second goal that starts in their corner flag. Solly March picks it up on the edge of the area, drives downwards, and they just go from one end to the other. De Gea 
escaped some criticism for just palming it straight too gross. He just sticks it in the roof of the net. Unbelievable. This is Graham Potter football. United had him right there. And instead, they go for this bum that thinks he can just sign players from the Eredivisie. Have players in on time. And it's just going to be sorted. Thank God they didn't go for him. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see Potter there. No. That would be, that would be, I was worried he's going to go to Spurs. That feels like a better fit for him. So you're saying a smaller team? Yeah, with much better players. <laughs> yeah. lower, yet somehow lower expectations. Um, perfect all round, really. Malassia got the Hannibal plaudits yesterday for just coming on for 10 minutes and kicking people. <laughs> The full yeah. circle they go with the, with the young players is always brilliant because Alanga is like the beginning <laughs> number one now, having been the saviour just months ago. Yanazai was a similar story. It's Ralph I, Rangnick was a saviour. <laughs> yeah, we, we and that and he is again now. Strangely, what a weird storyline he's been on. The uh, we're going to come on to Anatovic and Rabio, I'm sure, as you said. Yeah, we got that now. I I do just have to take the moment to just appreciate just how in the mud this club is if you told me oh as a kid or as a teenager that this club would be at this point i would have actually said don't even let me dream that because <laughs> there's no way they can be this bad it is truly truly incredible it was like we didn't draw with fulham this weekend <laughs> i'd forgotten everything that happened because i was just so happy like when you celebrated after them hits. losing to uh spurs and then you had the villa game <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, karma came for me brutally that you, day. You've got Ericsson starting as a striker, which I Ten mean, Hag says he's brilliant at, and then you move him to a six. So clearly his movement at the top of the pitch wasn't good enough. And then you're saying afterwards how brilliant he is deeper in midfield. So what the hell were you trying to do to start with? All the meanwhile, have... you can't play him in his best position because you've got a guy there whoever thinks is the guy still, but has been gashed for a year or so now. They're, they're still obsessing over Frankie de Jong. This is not how you do a rebuild. <laughs> they is... should have got Ronaldo out early. If you're going to look in Holland, you look for a younger player like Malassia. If that's what they're doing, go for guys like Sangare, who's right there. Fabian Ruiz, they could have got Sangare and Fabian Ruiz, who's going to go to PSG now, by the way, for less than the Frankie de Jong price. Frankie de Jong's being told that his team around him could be implicated in a trial in criminal court. Yeah, yeah. And he's still saying, well, I'd rather be here than in Manchester. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Yuri Tielemans just seems to be there for the taking as well. We don't talk insane. about that yet. We don't talk about that yet. Um, yeah. It's Instead, like no other central midfielder exists. Well, clearly they do, because they're now linked with Rabio, a guy who's been called lazy at every club he's gone to. Notoriously bad attitude. I mean, the baggage he brings with him. And, and not a fact, lot of reward. Yeah, his mum confronting Laurent Blanc outside the stadium. And that the would be great. Juventus will be using this money to buy Paredes, which Paredes will probably be better for Man United yeah. as well. In the same summer that they signed Pogba back on free, having flogged him to you for 89 million pounds. I mean, if you're going to go for a Juve midfielder, you literally go for anyone but him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we? I remember we spoke about this um, during transfer dealings or seasons gone by, where the Man United still had that pull of players wanting to go to, 
go to play for them because they're Man United. Are we seeing the end of that now because they're struggling to get to get people in? Connor messaged me right at the start of the window saying not to laugh at something because we're the type of club that'll go for Rabio on a free. <laughs> That's messages, such an unfortunate message. And then so he messages me saying, hang on a minute, I'm just watching some compilations. I'll report back if he's better than Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> he's got worse stats than Scott McTominay. These are not leagues you want to be called lazy in. And United, the whole thing... and. Yeah, Arsenal is the most clear rebuild we've seen in terms of recent times of we're tearing it up and we're going to start again. And a lot of it is PR, I can acknowledge that. But one of the things that they say is, look, it's as much about getting the right person in this point of time as it is signing the best talent. And they seem to have just thrown that out the window because in Rabio and Arnautovic, it's like you're signing two of the worst people you could possibly add into this dressing room. I don't know who's making these decisions. Like Karen Carney kept uh, saying yesterday, why is it that Brighton can find a player like Caicedo and United can't? And someone should have said in her ear that United had a deal on the table for Caicedo and they pulled out of it at the last minute. And so Brighton are able to get him. So there's clearly people at the club that are highlighting players like this. And they're saying, well, no, whichever manager we've got in charge now, we'll trust his instincts more. What were they doing for the last six months? That now, so is Ten Hag wanting these two? Is that what this is all coming from? They claim every player now is that Ten Hag wants him. Fucking hell. Because this is why they wouldn't do anything before. They said that they, they wouldn't get anything placed because they'd only get what the manager wants. And Rangnick offered to have a sit down with Ten Hag. He said that quite publicly and then said he doesn't want to see me. They, they, have, they have no use for me. He wouldn't even listen to the negative things that he was going to point out to him. And he could have said, you want to get rid of this guy, you want to get rid of this guy, you want to get rid of this guy. You say everything you want about Pogba. He's better than whoever they're going to bring in. And he's probably he's got a better attitude than Rabiot. <laughs> yeah. Do we think that they are... This Ronaldo situation that isn't going away, do you think... Is that going to go on all of this season again? Is Ten Hag well, have to play him? They'll play him because you saw, to, you saw the alternatives and they asked him if he thought things improved in the second half and he said quite clearly, which I thought was a... He knows what to say here. United fan accounts and Ten Hag himself complaining they're getting too many Ronaldo questions. Look, this is what you signed up for. Yeah, maybe take it up with the guy who's caused it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, being, asked, being asked that, wondering when it's a bigger story that Ronaldo left a game early and Charlie Savage may have left early. The fact people may be more interested in Ronaldo doing it. Weird thing that. And someone needs to have a word with Robbie Savage and tell him he doesn't play for United. They're asking him on uh, BT Sports Score about what's going on at United. And he's going, oh, you know, I don't really think it's a bad move. And he won't criticise them at all. Someone needs to have a word. They bombed you out when you were a kid. <laughs> they are remarkable. He was there. So, so horrible. The fact that they're starting the season with Scott McTominay and Fred. I, get, I couldn't even have imagined that at the start of the summer because I said on here the whole time. I was convinced whether they get the right people. I thought they'd be doing what Chelsea are doing at the moment, where you can't really see a feasible plan, but they're just chucking money about it. And you're going to get, get enough talent. See, yeah. I've, I've seen this being said, but oh, when, we yeah, lose, so. when we lose three of, 
uh, three defenders. <laughs> Here we go. Four defenders. <laughs> we're obviously going to be in the market for some defenders, aren't we? So you went into the market thinking you were going to sign Cuccarelli as a centre-back. Because we I mean, know we know in that Todd Bowley didn't do anything about it until he tried being the new boy in town and arranging a meal for all of the club owners and directors <laughs> and then broached the subject with the Brighton Chiefs there. That's like he's evil genius. That's like open season. That's brilliant 4D chess, in my opinion. However, when we lose our entire defence, pretty much, and then still need to add goals into the team, we're going to be signing going after a lot of players. And the players that we have bought, I would say a pretty decent player so far. So obviously 15 million on Slanina, 20 million on Carney Chukwemenica. Yeah, decent. I can't imagine that was the plan going into the window. It looks to me like Todd Bowley's putting his nuts on the table and going, look how big these are, boys. (laughs) (laughs) But still, we're strengthening in areas where we're weak and we're looking to bring in better players than we've currently got. That doesn't strike me as... as All our clubs should just put out these dodgy transfer rumours that we're linked with God knows who and you'll be going in from as well it's just copying people's homework is all and then Barcelona nick them off that yeah exactly but for example like Jules Kunde like apparently we we didn't show enough interest in him and that's why he ended up going to Barca because we started looking at other options i.e. Fafana and Delict and things like that like, there obviously is an approach, and we it doesn't to... look like like Koulibaly and Chukwemeka look like two completely different strategies. Yeah, Koulibaly, yeah, exactly, because we need to sign defenders quickly that are proven because that's where we're lacking manpower. But what, so you're you're going to beat City or Liverpool this this season? Are we going to beat City or Liverpool this season? Yeah, what, for the league. Yeah, probably not. No. So why'd you go for Koulibaly? You, you go for someone younger. Because you still need that experience when you lose two defenders in Rudiger. A Rudiger, Kulabali is. You still got Aspi and Thiago, though. I mean, at the time, Aspi was going to Barcelona. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. So it, it just doesn't look. I can't imagine when. I mean, Bowley came in late, admittedly. I have to imagine they sat around the table at some point and said, Look, what are we going to do? I can't imagine 85 million for for Fofana was even no, discussed. No, no, no. I can't. I don't think that. I think that's correct. I think we, we've identified areas where we need to strengthen and at the time at the start of the window we were losing Alonso, Aspilicueta, Rudiger and Christiansen all in one window so we're obviously going to be signing and um, fullbacks. Cookerware is probably just a very expensive Alonso replacement slash he's going to be a lot fitter than Chilwell after being out for nine. 62 million one goal one assist last season. It feels like an odd move when you do urgently need a striker and maybe more of an actual centre half. I mean, we saw we saw it last in. season when our fullbacks got injured. We, I mean, now we have great cover and for, for our left back, which we didn't have last season, which derailed our season with the way that we play football. But we know you tried case, late approaches for Jesus and for Richarlison. So that clearly yeah. there wasn't a plan there. That yeah. was let's chance our arm and see what happens. Seems, the Jesus one seems really weird because that would have seemed. Like a really easy win for us to um, easy win, as in like if we were to get him in, but you wouldn't have. No, what I'm saying is if we had, <laughs> that plugs a gap, and it adds goals to a, a front three that doesn't have a lot of goals. 
Um, anyway, yeah, we got we got derailed there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I, was, I was about to ask, how did we get? I forgot how we. I was talking about United's transfer targets, and it looks like they've oh. got less of a plan than Chelsea, and then that was all it took. <laughs> uh, last one I met Scott McTominay. This guy, <laughs> he's in the Sun Mane bracket. Of how the hell did you get away with that? But the differentiator is that he's not even good, and it's every single week. <laughs> how does he get away with not being sent off yesterday? How's he get away with still playing? How does Martinez get get away with not having a penalty yesterday, especially when it's the same referee that gives the penalty with Cedric in the North London derby for the tiniest of pushes, and you've got Lissandro putting his whole little body behind him, and it's nothing. It makes no sense. But I wouldn't expect it to. So I should be up in arms crying corruption because we had a penalty go against us on the same weekend, and all we want is consistency. Look, yours was or, very consistent. Or ideally, just every decision to go my club's way and no one else's, which is what we really want. Well, that wasn't either of our clubs. It was just against United. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm speaking in general terms. We all want consistency. Or if we can't nope. get consistency, if, if we want wrong, everything going our way. And if it goes against us, else's. I'd rather it goes whichever way is fair. And yeah. I mean that. I mean, yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> There's no way you can prove otherwise. Yeah. No last backlog thing, of pods to go through. Last last thing then. So West Ham against Man City. Quite depressing, really, isn't it? I think you're all get you're all getting what you want, aren't you? They can well ultimately you want the end City of the to season. win the league. So congratulations. We were, we, we were on our knees praying that Harlem was gonna work in the community. <laughs> team, I, I think you needn't have worried. Yeah. And we were there like, oh my god. And then yeah, first game of the season, everyone's just depressed as fuck because it doesn't... Jack saw him got the number nine and his eyes lit up. <laughs> I've never seen that before, Tuchel talking about the shirt being cursed. <laughs> has has I mean, anyone seen is... something like that before? Yeah, but it is, though. It is cursed. <laughs> yeah, but no... The manager openly acknowledged yeah. it. It's mad. <laughs> Said nobody wants it, that shirt's cursed. That's With... the sort of thing the manager's supposed to roll his eyes at and be like, you're all talking shit. I'll just retire but... it now, if it were me. In front of everyone. Statistically, Final. City didn't concede one big chance yesterday, and it was less than 0.1 on the XG. Christ. They're freakish, and then they've got this freak up top who's who's not even fully intertwined yet. Up. It it looks more and more mental that Sterling actually left this to go and play at Chelsea. Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get it. I mean I'm happy for it, but what, the the fact that he may not have been playing, I think, is probably the main factor there. Looking at Grealish, I think he may well have been. And I thought he was going to bang this season. I mean, we're one game in, to be fair. But the bloke, <laughs> looks, the bloke just looks like he's not on the same wavelength. But maybe he, he plays like Jack Grealish, doesn't he? I just don't know how much they're going to ever change him. I think Sterling would have had enough game time that he wouldn't have to be covering for Kula Bali and behind or getting violated like he was by uh, Yerimina. Blimey, that, that was. was uh... <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, you'd probably back yourself, wouldn't you, in Sterling's shoes? You'd go, do you think you're better than Greenish? Stick around. Weird. Yeah. Um, but I'm not one to complain about City players wanting to go and uh, expand their horizons. So. Yeah, I can see why Hazy's left Christ. If you wanted that, if you wanted that strike, I think he'd have been keeping Haaland at the side. <laughs> Didn't see that twenty-five minutes. <laughs> they did look very good though. City defensively, they look solid. 
everything about them just looks like I didn't expect there to be quite this love in over Haaland. Well, people seemed quite surprised. I don't want to be. I don't think I'm being expert after the event. After the event, and going, I'm not quite sure why people are surprised. Unbelievable team that creates lots of chances, signs goal scoring freak, and he scores two goals. No, not not that. Uh, There's just the whole thing of him swearing. So excited. Was good for his PR. That was good for him before the game. Them going, we're just so blessed to have him as part of our league and all of this. It just felt a bit. Sure. It is the biggest import we've had in a while, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think. Don't say Lukaku before you say it. <laughs> oh, they are. Dare I say it, Sil? Probably the last big one. Hmm. There we go. I think that just about does us. It. It's very hot here. And, uh, lovely yeah it's not here you know where i'm recording i'm sure we'll have plenty to get into next week hopefully united lose to brentford hopefully arsenal win again get down to the emirates uh you going down this weekend jack no i didn't get a ticket that bastard wer blimey well thank you again for listening to another edition of the spitballing pod we'll be back this thursday with the shawshank redemption up against starsky and hutch Tune in for that one. We'll be back. Goodbye.